Jewish audio on Chabad.org. What is holding you back? So often we try to grow, to emerge from the difficult spot that we may be in. We try to experience a personal redemption. We want to leave Egypt. We want to leave a place of enslavement. We want to stop being stuck, but something's holding us back. Something doesn't allow us to become free. This week, we have a stark reminder that in order to become a free people, in order to become a free person, we first need to identify what is it that's holding us back and how can we push past that limit. This week, we learn how a short time before the Jewish people were being redeemed from Egypt, God gave them the commandment to bring a sheep into their home to prepare the sheep, to slaughter it, and to place the blood upon the doorposts. Why did the Jewish people have to bring the sheep to their home a few days early? What was the purpose of that? The sages explained to us that the Egyptians worshipped the sheep as their god. And by bringing the sheep into their home, the Jewish people had to step up to the plate, had to find the courage within themselves to look at the Egyptians in the eyes and say, we are going to slaughter this sheep which you consider as your god. At that moment, the Jewish people were able to get past that blockage. They were able to remove themselves from a state of paganism and negativity and impurity because by stepping up to the plate with courage and conviction and looking at the Egyptian in the eye and allowing themselves to state loud and clear, we worship one and only God, that became the moment when they were worthy to become free. The lesson for all of us is very simple. What is that sheep that you need to slaughter? What is that thing that's holding you back? What is that obstacle that keeps you tied down so strong that you can't let go and move on? We all know that Mitzrayim, Egypt, means limitations and boundaries. Egypt is not just a place on the map, but it's a state of being. We want to remove ourselves from that personal inner exile of Egyptian slavery. In order to do so, we first need to slaughter that sheep. And this is the question I ask all of you this week. What is that sheep? Identify that blockage and you will see that as soon as you're willing to slaughter that sheep, as soon as you're willing to let go of that obstacle that's holding you back from becoming free, then you will ultimately reach the promised land and become a free person. For this week's story, I invite you to join me on a journey as we follow an individual who was struggling tremendously with a certain challenge. And the moment he was willing to let go and move on, that was when he saw incredible salvation and miracles. This story takes us, my friends, to David Solomon. David Solomon is the kind of person you would call a self-made man. He lived in uptown Manhattan. He built himself up from nothing with his own two hands. Today, he's a multimillionaire, several factories, substantial holdings in real estate, and he knew exactly how money talks. This was the kind of life he lived a very materialistic lifestyle immersed in the world of business and finance. Unfortunately, because he was so wrapped up in that world, there wasn't much place for Judaism. And tragically, he also had very little time left for his family. Mr. Solomon was so immersed in that world, in that life, the concepts that he grew up with, for example, spending quality time with family, and more importantly, celebrating Shabbat with his wife and children were non-existent. For him to press pause and to slow down from the rat race of life and actually gather around the table with his family and celebrate Shabbat dinner was impossible. It was something which didn't exist in his world because he was so immersed in material culture, 
in his business world. He was married to his work and couldn't think of anything outside of such life. But then, my friends, something happened which dramatically changed his reality. His most precious joy in his life was his 18-year-old daughter. She was the apple of his eye. Her picture was on his desk, multiple pictures on the walls in his office. He dreamed of the day when she would marry and he would marry to see grandchildren from her. He even had a special fund saved up to buy her a new house and anything she ever wanted. He was looking forward to that day. But unfortunately, that dream was shattered. When one day, as he was sitting in his office, overwhelmed, immersed in his business affairs, his phone rang. Mr. Solomon, he hears an official sounding voice on the other line. Yes, have you got a daughter by the name of Sarah Solomon? Again, he said, yes. This is a police officer speaking from the local hospital. You'd better get down here fast, Mr. Solomon. Your daughter has been in a pretty severe accident. It's a matter of moments. With his heart pumping, he quickly slammed the phone down, grabbed his keys, raced out of the office. Unfortunately, my friends, it was truly a nightmare. She was in critical condition, in a coma. Wires and instruments were attached to every part of her body. And the doctor said, it's impossible for us to operate or do anything until her condition stabilizes. He stood there weeping. What could he do? His wife arrives after a few moments and she too burst out in tears. The next few days were without sleep. They waited and waited for some news from the doctors. Perhaps she opened her eyes. Perhaps there's been some improvements, but there was no help. And no hope until one day, David's father suggested to him something that was totally out of whack, something which didn't make sense to him at all, something which totally came from left field. His father said, David, we live here in New York, in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights. There's a great man, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's the only one that can help. I have friends, his father said, that great miracles happen to them from the Rebbe's intervention and the Rebbe's blessings. If anything can help, you can. Let's go. Get an appointment. Let's go see him. David's emotions began flipping. At first he was excited. There was hope. But then he came disappointed. Disappointed in himself. Me, David Solomon, a normal, successful American businessman, going to the spiritual healers? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't work within my world. But maybe this was something different. After all, he's a respected Jewish rabbi. He even heard he's a great leader. David was struggling, couldn't make a decision. And then suddenly he became afraid. I don't do any mitzvot. I don't perform any of the commandments. I live such a secular lifestyle. How can I go to this rabbi? I'll be so ashamed. And then it hit David. I have a brilliant idea. His confidence returned as he remembered his money. I have millions of dollars in the bank. I'll give this rabbi a big donation, and the rabbi will certainly hear what I have to say. David drove down in his vehicle to the rabbi's headquarters in Brooklyn to arrange a meeting. Usually people had to wait for months, but because of the urgency of the situation, he was able to get a meeting later that week. When he showed up for his appointment at one o'clock in the morning, he waited online. And when the moment arrived and he walked into the room and the rabbi looked at him with his piercing eyes, he began to cry from the depth of his heart. The rabbi, my daughter had a terrible accident. She's in critical condition. Rebbe, can you save her? Here, here's a check for $50,000 for your institutions. And he handed over the check and he put it on the Rebbe's desk. The Rebbe just looked at him without even noticing the check. And the Rebbe said the following line. If you want to save your daughter, 
you must begin to pause every Friday and observe Shabbat. When David heard these words without skipping a beat, he said, Rebbe, I can't promise such a thing. I'm a very busy man. I'm not a religious Jew. I have so much going on in my life. There's absolutely no way I can just stop and pause for 24 hours. It's impossible for me to do that. This is how I've been living for so many years. This is who I am here. He took out his checkbook and he put it on the Rebbe's desk and he began writing here, $100,000. Please Rebbe, take it just to save my daughter. The Rebbe looked at him even more intently and said, Mr. Solomon, I'm here to help you. If you wanted to be healthy, keep Shabbos. At that moment, it was impossible for David to climb out of his own personal darkness, his own inner Egypt. He was stuck. He was in a place of enslavement to his work, to his business, to his materialistic world. It was impossible for him to think in a different way. It wasn't possible for him to even imagine or fathom stopping, pausing, shutting everything down for 24 hours every weekend. At that moment, David signed his name on another check and he put it in front of the Rebbe and he said, it's an open check, write what you want, take what you need, just save her. He was really crying now, looking deeply into the Rebbe's eyes for some hope. At that moment, the Rebbe looked at him and the Rebbe said, God is responsible for her healing. You must appeal to him. I can only help with prayer, but you must also do your part. At least keep Shabbos. Then your daughter will be healthy and you will even see grandchildren from her. At that moment, David recognized the meeting is over. All the money in his world is not gonna help him. He gathered up the checks. He said, I'll think about it. And he left closing the door behind him. He waited outside the door for a couple of minutes, hoping the Rebbe would call him back. A blank check. But of course, the Rebbe didn't. And Solomon went back to the hospital empty-handed. That night, he couldn't sleep. The meeting with the Rebbe made a deep impression on him. The Rebbe's face danced before his eyes, saying, I'm here to help you. Keep Shabbos. It was the first time in his life he met a person that was not interested in his own personal profit. In the meantime, Cyrus' condition got worse and worse. His wife turned to him and said, David, I beg you, please, let's try. It's been a week. It's only getting worse. Do you remember the Rebbe's words? Let's try. This Shabbat, let's not drive. Let's not turn on any lights. We're anyway in the hospital. We have nowhere to go. I think that you remember how to make Kiddush. Maybe we can do what the Rebbe said. And at that moment, that was the moment when David realized that Shabbos was the secret to his freedom and redemption. He was stuck. He was stuck into his world of nonstop rat race of work, work, work. He was stuck being so deeply immersed in materialism and financial pursuit. Another dollar, another dollar. He needs to make the decision once and for all to become free. He needs to slaughter his sheep. He needs to leave his personal Egypt. That Friday night, they stood around the hospital beds. He made Kiddush on a cup of grape juice that they found in the local hospital room hospitality room, closed his eyes and he made Kiddush for the first time since his childhood. Tears were coming down his face as he said the Kiddush with so much emotion. And that night, they sang whatever songs they remembered. They did their best to celebrate Shabbat with a little bit that they still knew. And my friends, that Sunday morning, for the first time, they saw improvement. The next day, she opened her eyes. And just a few days later, she began to communicate. Ultimately, Mr. Solomon became a Shomer Shabbat Jew. And his daughter, Sarah, not only became completely healed, 
she eventually got married and had seven children, just as the Rebbe said. Shabbat Shalom.